the right. Are we recording? All right, great. Okay, so there's First Peter. So Luke ten nineteen and First Peter five eight through nine. Today I want to talk about a topic that you might not heard from this angle before. It was powerful. Uh, the prophetic word that Carol gave today flows exactly into what I'm talking about. It's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost shows up at Living Waters Chapel. Isn't that awesome? So I want to give you one very important yet ignored aspect of the Christian life that will cause you to be a wide open vessel for the anointing to flow out of. Today I want to talk about this, about hating evil, hating the devil's stuff. Now, maybe you've never heard a positive message on hate before, but you're going to today. I'm talking about hating the devil. Say, I hate the devil. And I hate his stuff. Now, many will say, of course we hate the devil's stuff. But I want to submit this to you. The Holy Ghost, when I was writing this message, he said this to me. Many will say they hate the devil's stuff, but they don't hate it enough to press into my kingdom and push back to do something about it. Are you hearing me? They tolerate the devil's junk. So today I I entitled this message, What You Tolerate Will Dominate. What you tolerate in your life will dominate your life. I remember... I, I'm talking about hating the devil's stuff. I remember when I was in kindergarten, I was outside playing on the playground. I went to the Emily City Christian School, if anybody, anybody knows that area there. Um, and I was out on the playground, and I remember looking back toward the doors, the double doors. And there was this boy who was in a wheelchair, and he was sitting by the inside looking outside of those doors, and he was watching everyone play. This, this young man, he had a disease right from his mother's womb, right, right from the get-go. And I remember just a compassion rose up within me. Just, uh, just, and I started crying. I was in kindergarten. I was out playing with friends, but it stopped me. And you know who that was, right, who stopped me to pay attention the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it has something to do with, obviously, the calling on my life, and I know that now. But I remember looking back at him, and he was just watching everyone play, and it broke my heart. And now, later on in my life, as I learn more about the Word of God, when I got born again, when I learn more about the Word of God, you know what? That compassion, that sadness, guess what it turned into? A hatred for the devil. Amen? I will never be able to erase that visual out of my mind. So, you know, if you look at the lives of mighty men and women of God who were used mightily by God, not only was there a love of God, very strong love of God, right? But there equally was a hatred for the devil. A hatred for the devil's stuff. Now, the word hate, is defined as this, intense or passionate dislike, or to have a strong aversion to something. Let me tell you something. Evil and the devil's junk will continue and remain in your life until you boldly rise up and push back through your authority in Jesus Christ. Say, I got to break this cycle. 
See, you got to hate it enough, whatever the bondage is in your life. You need to hate it enough that you're willing to rise up and say, I'm not going to let it take over my life anymore. Come on, we need this. We need to break that cycle because whatever you tolerate from the enemy in your life will dominate your life. That goes with generational curses through family lines. See, generational curses can manifest as a sickness, as a a disease, as a maybe a specific bondage through a family line. And until someone rises up, until that born-again Christian rises up and says, enough of this, I'm going to break it, that's where it stops. If you do nothing about it, it continues down the family line. Man, there's so many examples we could talk about there. But go to uh, Matthew 11. Matthew 11. I'm looking for some born-again, on-fire Christians today to rise up and say, I hate the devil, and I'm going to do something about it. Amen? I'm not going to tolerate this junk in my life. I'm not going to tolerate this junk in my family's life. Amen? I'm not going to tolerate this in my marriage. Amen? Whatever it is, don't tolerate it any longer. Amen? Matthew eleven twelve, 12 whew, says this. Jesus said, And from the days of, jo- uh, days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You see, taking something by force means that you have a passion, a desire to take hold of something. You care enough about something to do something about it. See, you are determined that nothing is going to stop you. And it's time for us Christians, come on, to get radical against the kingdom of darkness in this society. Get radical against the kingdom of darkness in our lives because what you tolerate, come on, is what will dominate your life. See, much of the body of Christ, I got a real big revelation on this. Much of the body of Christ is always on the defensive all the time. You know what I mean by that? They're on the defensive. You know, like on movies where they portray a kid that's always getting bullied and pushed around. Are you hearing me? We're just kind of like... Like, oh, no, 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 we're we're always on the defense instead of being on the offensive and pushing back against the enemy. We need to push back because here's what happens. The kingdom of God does not get advanced with a defensive position. Are you following me? The kingdom of God, just like in football, the the ball's going to get advanced from the offense unless it's intercepted. I know that, but just cancel that part out right now, okay? But we need to be... On the offensive against the enemy. Let's take it to him. That's why you'll notice on Wednesday night prayer, when, when I'm praying, I am coming against, we're binding the evil principalities and powers over Tuscola County, over Carroll. We're, we're not just sitting back, right? We're advancing them. Jesus said, nothing shall by any means harm you when you use his authority in full power. Amen? So we need to push back. So uh, the enemy is counting. See, this is what I was talking about, having a kingdom mindset. Remember me talking about having a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset wants to advance the kingdom of God. That's a kingdom mindset. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the weak one that only can just kind of 
push him away, but you're still getting pushed. You know, even when you're kind of in a defensive stance, you're still, it's still pushing you back. No, no, no. We need to move forward. We need to move forward. The enemy is counting on you and I not to hate evil enough to do something about it. Did you know that? He is counting on us not to do anything about it. He's counting on you to what? Tolerate. Tolerate. Now, sure, like I said, you might not like it. You don't like the devil stuff. Who does, right? But he's counting on you not hating it enough. Hating you. No, you, 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 you hate it. You don't like it. But you don't hate it enough to do something about it. That's what the enemy's counting on in your life. That's what this, this society is counting on. That, that's what this evil government right now in this country is counting on. You doing nothing about it. Just stay out of it. Just stay out of it. Let us, let us steal an election. Are you hearing me, somebody? Just, just stay out of it. Come on now. Pastor's getting political. What? Because it's a moral issue. There's an illegitimate president in this White House. Come on. Let's just tell it like it is. <laughs> so in other words, the enemy is counting on us to sit back and tolerate his junk. But don't ever forget, what you tolerate will dominate. And that is the end game of the enemy, to, to dominate your family, your life personally, and society. That's how this stuff happens. Hey, history repeats itself. Go ahead, study up on Nazi Germany. Are you hearing me, somebody? This, the reason I'm bringing this up, because this is a moral issue. We need to stand up and rise up against this stuff. This is ridiculous. Amen? So, and this stuff will continue until Holy Spirit-filled, radical Christians step up and displace the kingdom of darkness and replace with the kingdom of God. Wherever your feet tread, are you hearing me? Advances the kingdom of God. Go to Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Psalm chapter 97, verses 10 through 12, I want to take a look at here. Oh, this is good. Now we're going to start digging in. I laid a nice foundation. Here we go. You who love the Lord hate evil. I don't know, but in my Bible, it has an exclamation point after hate evil. He who preserves the souls of his saints, he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for righteousness and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. See, your love for the Lord is in direct proportion to the hatred for evil. Did you, are you hearing me? Oh, that's, that, that'll step on some people's toes right there. Your love for the Lord is in direct proportion to how much we hate evil. Oh, I love the Lord this much, Pastor. Oh, but you're tolerating all this junk of the enemy. Oh, no, no, no. They should be up here together. Are you hearing me, somebody? 
Oh, my. A revelation of the love of God will include a hatred for evil. Look at Psalm 45. Go there with me. Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Just in case any of you were wondering where I stood on the election, there it is, right? Cat's out of the bag. All right. All right. Psalm 45. Well, listen, Trump was the most pro-Christian president ever. There has not been a president who has allowed Christians into that White House, into this country like he has let. I mean, it was it was amazing. Amen? So we are in a battle. We are in a warfare right now. You understand that. All of it. It's warfare. Spiritual warfare. Psalm 45, verse 7. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Oh, my. Whoa. That's rich right there. Your joy level as a Christian is in direct proportion to your love for righteousness and hatred of wickedness and evil. Did you see that? Oh, my. That's powerful. See, here's the deal. If you are dealing with heaviness, depression, or a lack of joy as a Christian, here's what I want you to do. Check your love tank for righteousness and check your hatred tank for evil. Are you seeing the connection in here? Maybe you're tolerating, tolerating evil or wickedness in your life and you're giving the enemy permission to oppress you. See, you don't hate it enough. You don't hate it enough. And that's why I'm here today. I'm trying to get you to hate that evil. Stand up. Let's do something about it. Let's push back against it. Amen? If the joy isn't flowing in your life as a Christian, there is a broken pipe in the pipeline of the anointing. Now, I find it interesting that the terminology this passage uses is the oil of gladness. Did you catch that? Now, It's interesting that oil in the natural is transferred through pipes, right? If the oil of gladness isn't being transferred and delivered to your heart as a Christian, there's a broken pipe somewhere. Oh, all right. Mic drop, right? So here's what you need to do. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where is that broken pipe? Where is that broken pipe? And how, Holy Ghost, do I fix it? Now, chances are, and I'm going to step out and say, the Holy Spirit has been probably revealing where it is and what needs to be fixed. The problem's never with the Holy Ghost. The problem is always with our stinking flesh. Come on, let's just tell it like it is. So, you know, you may have to deal with stuff from the past. He might require something out of you Uh, something out of your life that he might want to get something out of your life that don't belong there, right? So take an inventory of your life one by one and make the needed changes. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. I hate the devil and I hate his stuff. Amen? Proverbs 8, 13. Proverbs 8.13 says this, The fear of the Lord is to what? Underline it. Hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. 
Man, that's rich. True fear of the Lord. Now, when I say fear of the Lord, what it's talking about is having a reverence for God. You care what God thinks. You care what God thinks. What God doesn't love, you don't love. Are you here? There's a fear. There's a reverence. There's a, there's a, oh, I better not touch that thing because I'm going to open my door to the enemy. There's a reverence. There's a reverence toward him. So to have the fear of the Lord means that you hate anything that displeases him, anything that grieves the heart of God. Your heart, when you have the fear of God, your heart is synchronized with him. Lord, let me feel about things and people's situations the way that you feel about them. That's our, that should be our prayer. How do you feel about that thing, Lord? Right? See, there is, no, there is no fear of the Lord if there's a tolerance for evil. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, 10 through 12. Man, the fear of the Lord is a powerful topic. I mean, it, there's some rich stuff on the fear of the Lord and the benefits of having it. Proverbs 8, uh, 10 through 12. It says this, Receive my instruction. Uh, oh, hold on here. Yeah, 8, 10 through 12. Okay, receive my instruction and not silver, and, the no- and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things uh, one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Oh, look at this here. The fear of the Lord, there it is. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One, it says, or of God, is understanding. All right? So the fear of the Lord, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One, or God, is understanding. So we see another piece of the puzzle with the fear of the Lord here. We know that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. We read that, right? Now we also find out that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So now we find out having true wisdom, which is from above, is to hate evil. Are you seeing the connection? It is wisdom to hate evil. If you don't hate evil, what's the opposite of of having wisdom? Being foolish. Come on. So, so, and knowledge of the Holy One, it is understanding. So if you truly know Him from the Word of God, you will understand that our God is holy. Holy simply means this. He is set apart. He is so much more above. Are you hearing me? He is set apart. He will not bless sin. And so, uh, by wisdom and understanding and hating evil, it's interesting. Look at this. Verse 11. Look at that again here. Oh, hold on a minute. Did I write down the wrong verse? Ah, so where was it? Oh, well, but I'm going to tell you this. Verse 11, what I was supposed to read, tells us that by the fear of the Lord and by wisdom and understanding or hating evil, your days will be multiplied. Say multiplied. Now, this is interesting. Even the years of your life will be added unto you. Now, I can't believe I wrote the wrong scripture down. But anyways, here's the thing. Chapter 9. Thank you. God bless you, sir. All right, right here. For by me your days will be multiplied. Okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. 
Now, so this is powerful. So it says here that our days can be multiplied by wisdom and by the fear of the Lord. Now, you do understand that that verse just killed a sacred cow that many people believe. Are you ready for the sacred cow? Here's what it is. The sacred cow is this. Oh, God just gives you so many days on this earth. Once your time is up, it's over. He, you just have a set, allotted time, numbers of days, and it's over. Have you ever heard that before? That couldn't be farther from the truth. No, the Word of God says this, by having fear or reverence toward God, which is wisdom, understanding, and hating evil, it will add life, to, days to your life. Isn't that something? And then verse 12 goes on to say that basically you have control of your life. If you have wisdom, it's for the benefit of your personal life. Not for anybody. It's for your life, right? So wisdom is a benefit for you. So that's pretty amazing. And Ecclesiastes goes on to say this. Why should you be foolish? Why should you die? You ready? Before your time. Whoa! Whoa, 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 we just threw another rock at this sacred cow. Are you hearing me? This cow's about ready to tip. We're ready to do some cow tipping today. All right, so here we go. So there's another piece of evidence that says, wow, you mean people maybe uh, who, who die at a certain age, you know? I mean, you heard it before, right? Well, God just needed an angel up in heaven, right? I know it sounds comforting. But it's not biblical. It's not scriptural. But it says that we can literally, I, there's some reason I just want to camp out on this. We can add days, we can add years to our life by walking in the fear of God and in wisdom. That's, I mean, that, that if you've never known that, that should be a revelation that just floors you to your seat. Are you hearing me? See, I, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is always looking out for us. If there's an issue in your body uh, physically, if you have something in your life that, that's hindering you, if you have something coming in your life that could cut your life short, I truly believe, nobody would ever talk me out of this, I believe the Holy Spirit tries to reveal it to us. Are you hearing me? That's, what, that's the Holy Spirit's job, to teach us how to walk in the blessing of God. That's what he's here. That's, that's why he's the teacher. The teacher, that teacher's not dropping the ball on us. Are you hearing me, somebody? In fact, if he was, I'd get up into heaven, you know, and say, Holy Ghost, what? I mean, what, what, you couldn't have showed me this, you know? I mean, I would have made the change, right? No, 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 no. We'll never be able to do that because he's always trying to to show us something, to keep us out of danger, to keep us out of harm's way, to clear the path for us to walk in the blessing. Or else, what did Jesus die for? Amen? Why should you die before your time? What's, the, what's your time? What is your time? A long and abundant life. Are you hearing me? Now, here's the thing that you have to be at peace with in your life. If someone went home to, early to be with the Lord, Okay, if something, this is what you have to be at peace with. You know what? There's just something that took place and that you just have no idea. You don't know. The secret things belong to God. Are you hearing me? That's why you can never come back 
God, God has made a way in his word. Well, you can never come back and point your finger at him. God, why did you do this? No, no. It says we can add life. Are you hearing me? We can never come back and point our finger at God. But listen, I just want to, I feel very strongly on this. This is where you really have to just tell yourself the secret things belong to the Lord. My mom died at 54 years old. Okay. I mean, wow. I mean, right? The secret things belong to the Lord. I know where she's at. She loved the Lord. I do know that, right? But the secret things belong to the Lord. So be at peace with that. Amen? Don't ever forget this, that you are the pilot of your own life. You... You know, here, now here's where the people try to confuse the roles a little bit. They try to say that many people think the Holy Spirit's the pilot. Oh, no, because you have a free will. So you literally are the pilot of your own life. And guess who's the co-pilot? Holy Spirit. He's the one. Now, he's over here. He's trying. Now, I, I, I did some flying, obviously, right? So. Yeah, so I know what it's like to be a co-pilot, okay? So I remember, you know, you would tell someone something that you see wrong in here. Now, guess what? It's up to the captain, you, to take the advice of the co-pilot. Listen, some captains are too prideful to take advice from a co-pilot. Are you following where I'm going here? The Holy Spirit's the co-pilot. You're the pilot. So the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, hey, you're off, you're off course. Turn right 10 degrees or else we're going to Traverse City, right? And not Milwaukee. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit is always trying to keep us on course. But it's your pride that will keep you. See, well, there's a saying with captains and co-pilots where the captain tells the co-pilot, shut up and... You know, gear up and shut up. Don't say a word to me the whole flight, right? Well, that's pride. But how many of you know we do the same thing to our co-pilot, the Holy Spirit? So we need to be open. Now, he's one co-pilot you can trust. Amen? Now, so go to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. Second Corinthians chapter six. I want to look at uh, verses six through, uh, actually chapter six, verses fourteen through eighteen. Don't confuse the roles. We are called to be the doers of the word. The Holy Spirit's the helper. He's not the doer. We're the doers. He helps us do. Amen. All right. Second Corinthians uh, six fourteen through eighteen says this. It says. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion or agreement has light with darkness? And what, and what accord has Christ with Belial or idols or the enemy? <laughs> or, what part of, of a, uh, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with the temple of idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, look at this wording here. This is New Testament here. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 
Now, this passage is warning us not to yoke ourselves together or to be in agreement with evil. Are you following me now? Because what you tolerate in your life will what? Dominate your life. We as Christians are supposed to be the ones to influence people, not the other way around. The world's not supposed to influence us. We are supposed to influence the world. Amen? So we need to rise up. Now look at this. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. It's just going to the next verse, basically. So we read what God said. Come out from among them, right? And then it says this. Therefore, having these promises. What? I will be your God. You will be my sons and daughters, right? Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the, of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So how do we take hold of the promises? The Word tells us to cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now, where it says perfecting ourselves in the holiness of God, perfecting, God knows you're not perfect. Uh, did you figure that out? We're not perfect, Right? What it's saying is mature in holiness. That's why spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your physical age. There's someone who could be more spiritually, spiritually mature at 21 years old as a born-again Christian than someone at 100 years old who's been a Christian all their life. Are you following me? So spiritual maturity has nothing to do with physical age. So, you know, so we know the fear of God includes the hating of evil. You know, being holy means to set yourself apart. Set yourself apart from that thing. There needs to be a spiritual cleansing. That's why I say, take inventory of your life. What can I cleanse? Lord, what's, what's hindering you from moving through me and in my life? Amen? And I don't know if you knew this or not, but our, our Heavenly Father is a jealous God. You remember that? He is. He's jealous. Amen? Husbands, wives, you haven't seen anything yet. Okay, are you hearing me? You try to step out on God, right? See, this is the whole thing about being a, in covenant with God. You understand this? When you're in covenant with someone, what you have is theirs, what you have is theirs. It's a mutual agreement, right? So when you got born again, when you made Jesus Lord of your life, guess what you said? You said, you know, God, yes, I want everything that Jesus has for me. And God says, well, I want everything that you have then. That is covenant. But many Christians are like, no, I just want what God has, and I'm going to live my own life the way I want it. Uh, no. That's not how it goes. You understand that? A covenant is a two-way street. Right? All right. So you got to understand that. Um, go to Gen Genesis 3 real quick here. Genesis 1 through 3. Say covenant is a two-way street. It is. It is. All right. So, let's do uh, Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7. I want to show you something. One of the enemy's biggest tactics, the enemy will always cause your focus to shift on the forbidden things instead of all the wonderful things that God has given us to enjoy. Look at this. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now, the serpent... The enemy was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Then the serpent, look at the serpent, look at the enemy, how seducing he is. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Lie. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, (laughs) that your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate. She look at and here's here's Adam's big mistake. She also uh, she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. I want you to notice that Adam and Eve, the woman at the time, she got Eve after the fall, but I want you to notice that Adam and Eve, I'll just call it, had access to everything in the garden. Man, the access was great, right? Except for one. So the enemy comes along and he points to that forbidden tree and he talks lies. Here's what he does. He comes along. The enemy will come in your life. He will come in your life and he will put a question mark where there should be a period or an exclamation mark. He's always questioning the integrity of God. Well, you read a commandment. Well, you know, maybe God doesn't care. No, it's in the word. You better follow it. Amen. See, Adam and Eve did not love, fear, or respect God's commandment enough to obey it. They gave place to the enemy in their thought life, and that was the downfall of mankind. See, every spiritual downfall first starts in our thought life. Amen. The enemy, I I just... Think about this. The enemy was was questioning the integrity of God. Like God was trying to hold something back from them. That's the seduction of it. And what does that sound like? New Agers, right? Oh, you want to be like God. You can be God, right? Well, let me tell you something. The uh, The New Age is old lies, right? There's nothing new about the New Age. It's always been around. It's the lies from the enemy, Amen. The devil could not control their free will. Do you, you see that? The devil could not control them to eat that fruit. You understand that? The devil doesn't make you do anything. But what he does is he tries to seduce you. He, he plants those lies and thoughts. It all begins in the thought life. Amen? So we need to renew our minds with the Word of God. 1 John 3, 8. I just got two more and I'm done. 1 John 3, 8. We need to hate evil with a passion. Whatever displeases the heart of God, we got to have. We have got to have fire to come against that thing. Amen. First John three eight. And it says this He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. What this is talking about is someone who habitually sins, right? It's someone who who just doesn't care. Right? Doesn't care about pleasing God. All right? That's what that's talking about. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, and then verse 9, let me just say that. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. What it means is, whoever's been born again, you're going to have a conscience. 
You're going to want to please God. If you've truly been born again, if you sin, you're going to know it, and it's going to make you feel horrible on the inside. Are you following me? That's the difference that this verse is talking about right here. That's the difference between someone who's not saved and someone who is. All right? If you're truly born again, you're going to have a problem when you sin. All right? So Jesus, it says, was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, literally to undo the works of the devil. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, I love this, to destroy the works of the devil. See how you can connect those? Isn't that powerful? To destroy something, you need to have a hatred for it. Are you hearing me? Jesus had a hatred. He was moved with love. He was moved with compassion when he ministered, right? But equally important, he had hatred for the devil's stuff. He had hatred for what the enemy was doing to mankind. Amen? Everything Jesus did in his earthly ministry was aimed at that purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And we as Christians have the same mission. Because of this, what you tolerate will dominate your life. Last passage, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Rise up, I'm telling you. Let let the Holy Ghost rise up in you to come against that thing that's been slowing you down, that's been stopping you. What's coming against your physical body? What's coming against your mind? What's coming against any area of your life, your family? Whatever it is, rise up and let's destroy that thing. Let's hate evil. Amen? So Acts 10.38 here as we wrap this thing up. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, by the devil. For God was with him. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, healing all were who oppressed of the devil. A willingness to destroy, listen to this, the Holy Spirit showed me this, a willingness to destroy the works of the devil will increase the anointing in your life personally and on your ministry. I told you, you do a study of do a study of a Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, all these men and women of God, right? McPherson, come on, all these uh, Catherine Coleman. There was a hatred. There was a hatred for the devil stuff. Amen. Just like when when I saw that that boy in a wheelchair, just that that grief that would rose up within me. There, that needs to rise up in you. And that's what we need when we minister to people. There not only needs to be a love for people, but come on, a hatred for the devil's stuff. Because here's why. A, because if you hate the devil's stuff, God can trust you with his anointing. He can trust you to release it to advance his kingdom. The Holy Spirit is always leading you in the path of destroying the works of the devil in your life and in the lives of others. Church, we need to dominate over every evil, over everything the enemy's doing, rather than tolerate it. Rise up and let's break these negative cycles, amen? By loving righteousness and hating evil and releasing the anointing because where the Spirit of the Lord is, come on, there is liberty. Let's stand up in this place. Let's hate evil. We're not going to tolerate it anymore, amen? Oh, Father God, we give you thanks. Thank you for your word. See, that's what the Holy Spirit wanted to implant in your spirit today. I want you to start hating evil. We love God, but equally as important as loving the Lord, you need to hate the enemy. 
That, that dude is a destroyer. Are you hearing me? Take authority over what he's doing in your life. Now, maybe there's someone here right now. You have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You see, here's, here's the clear fact right here. You haven't, been, you haven't been hating evil. You've been loving evil. But God wants to change your life today. Today is the day of salvation. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want you to come forward just over by that tree, and I want to pray with you to make Jesus Lord of your life. It'll change your life for eternity. Amen? Now, maybe there's someone in here you loved the Lord a long time ago, but man, if you were to pass away right now, you have no confidence that you would go home to be with Jesus. That's too big of a risk to take. That's too big of a risk to take. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, come forward. And I want to pray with you here after service. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but man, you just, you don't feel any power in the Christian walk. Well, let me tell you, the Christian life, there is power. There is, there should be an anointing. There should be a power flowing from you. And the one thing you may be missing is the Holy Spirit baptism. Or maybe you've received the Holy Spirit baptism in the past, but you need a fresh refill. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism and the Holy Spirit is separate from being filled. They're separate. So come forward. I want to pray with you for a refill. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you have a sickness, disease, you have uh, something going on emotionally. You just need prayer for something. If that's you, I want you to come over by the tree and I want to pray with you after service. But here's what I'm going to do here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If you could turn that music up just a little bit more, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to end it here, but I'm going to leave the altar open. If you, if this message has touched your heart and you said, I'm ready to start hating evil, if that's you, I want you just to come forward, just between you and the Lord, just come forward to this altar and just between you and him and tell him it's a new day, Lord. I'm going to start hating evil. I'm loving righteousness. Amen. So I'll leave that open for you. But here's the other thing. So Tuesday night, 7 p.m., we're doing a conference prayer call. Nancy Turner, she did it last Tuesday, did a wonderful job. They're powerful. So on the website is the phone number to call in at 7 p.m. Or you can stop and see me. We'll give it to you. Um, We have a powerful time. It was about 30 minutes, but it'll go however long the Holy Ghost wants. Amen. And then Wednesday night, we will have prayer back here again. Don't forget, if you have a suggestion... Right in that box back there, take a card right on the little table. Put your suggestion. You can put your name, phone number if you want. You can make it anonymous. Put a suggestion. Put it in the box. Amen? All right. Hey, I love you all. Um, Well, I was going to say see you next year, but if you're here on Wednesday, I'll see you this year. So, All right, everyone. I love you. Thank you so much for coming today. You guys have a great rest of your week. All right.